Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, would you look at the time. It's pod o'clock. Hello and welcome to In The Pockets, the bass guitar podcast where we get the lowdown on the low end. Uh, oh, it sounds weird doing it in a different rhythm. I don't like it. Uh, my name's Johnny, a totally average bass player, and each week I'm joined by a different co-host to talk all about that bass. Bit of a, a switch around this week. Uh, no co-host today. We had a bit of a scheduling change-up, so things like that. So we have got guests in the chamber, but uh, yeah, just me this time, and then back to it again uh, next week. Um, so yeah, it's been a week. <laughs> it's been a week. <laughs> um, it's been a week of, you know, some some great stuff for the, for the channel, if you follow me on YouTube. Um, we've just hit a million views, which is really cool. Um, and I've just hit 2,000 followers on Instagram, uh, at Johnny Dibble. Go and follow me on there. Let's get it up to even more. Um, yeah, I, I'm feeling very grateful recently. Like, people have been getting involved. I've been absolutely loving having conversations with people online. And, like, that's honestly my favorite thing about all of this. So reach out to me on Instagram. Let's let's strike up a conversation about all things based because... That's my passion. That's your passion. Let's share our passions. Um, that didn't mean to sound quite as sexual as it did, but oh well. Let's let's do that, shall we? Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for for all the support, and let's keep climbing to ten thousand subscribers. Woo-hoo. Let's jump straight in to our first question. <laughs> The first question of the week comes from Jinji. It's a lot of eyes on the end. Um, on Instagram, who asks why are popular bands constricted to only one bassist? Um, well, I now correct me if I'm wrong, and please shout at me in the comments or not shout at me. Just make some recommendations because I I don't know if I know any non-popular bands that that have two bass players i know there's a couple of you know artists that are just it's just like two bass players and then like some beats behind them and they're like both on ding walls i can't remember what they're called but they're they're insane um but um yeah why are popular bands constricted to only one bass player honestly i think you only really need one i think people have probably tried having two before and it just starts to sound a bit farty um, because you're kind of in the same register. Now, that's not to say that one could be doing low down, one could be doing high up, but I, I just don't think it sounds that great. I don't think two basses complement each other that well. Um, guitars, bass, drums, they all have a purpose. 
and the bass has a purpose in a, in a mix and in a band whereas if you've got two you're kind of not using the bass for its purpose which you know it's all subjective and there's there's nothing wrong with not doing something that you're meant to do you know um but yeah if you're both down playing low it just sounds a bit farty and and you're you know you're maxing out those frequencies big time um so i don't really like that sound but the other thing as well now i watch a lot of anderton's uh the youtube channel and the shop here in england um i watch their youtube channel of course it's, it's amazing and they're all great um and i love and i love uh the the bass i love the all about the bass part as well but when but when they're like playing the intros and doing two basses off one another it always it always niggle. i have a little niggle with that because i'm like oh it's oh it, it just doesn't sound that great or like oh, don't get me wrong they sound incredible at playing they are much better players than i will ever be but when it's like two basses going off at the same time i'm like which one is sounding like what who's playing what it's, i don't uh, oh, oh. it I don't think it really works that well when you're playing two basses off of one another. Um, and that's when they're playing in two, like one's high up, playing a lead line and one's low down. So um, yeah, I I just think that there isn't really that much of a market for it. Um, and like the, the function of a bass in mainstream music, in popular music, it doesn't really, you don't really need it. So yeah, I, I think that is why. Um, but hell, I'm I'm happy to be proven wrong. And and this isn't to say like that's two normal bases, you know. You could have a base and a base six. That's totally normal. It's, it's a different although it's an octave lower than guitar, it's a different sounding bass, you know. It doesn't really sound like a normal bass, and I don't think it's a substitute for a normal bass. Um so you could go down that route. So that could be the, the caveat in this question that gets that gets you through it. Um but yes, uh why are popular bands constricted to only one bassist? Because we only need one. And we don't... Let's be honest. Like, I would not want another bass player in my band. I, I don't want to compete. I'm ba I'm average enough as it is, you know. Not having someone else show me up who's amazing. Um, yeah. So, I think it's just uh, it's just our big-headedness, really. That means that we, we can be the only one and have no one else. Thank you so much for the question. Let's uh, move on to the news. Oh my goodness. It's it's a very busy news week. So we could make this the big base debate, honestly, because there's a lot of stuff to unpack here. Because, like I said, it's... it's Pretty much we're still in the start of the new year, you know, it's only February now. And with NAM not happening, brands are still releasing all of their new gear, which has got me very excited. And I was excited and a bit annoyed because Squire decided to launch their brand new 40th anniversary range in guitars and basses like the day before the last podcast went out and I'd already recorded it and didn't have time to go back and add that into the news section. So this is actually pretty old news now, but can't not cover it. Are you mad? Ugh, so excited. So let me talk you through the range. If, you, if you'd if you missed this and you're a bass player, where what are you doing? Are you living under a rock? Um, I'm sure you're just excited as me because these things look insane. 
So we're celebrating 40 years of Squire, which is so cool. And I can't wait to see what they do for the 50th because that's like a next big milestone, right? So let's go through them. I've got them up here on my screen, so I'm just going to comment about them. So we've got some 40th anniversary jazz basses and P basses here. Um, the, the theme seems to be gold, which I'm here for. We've got all gold pit guards. Looks so good. We've got a we've got all gold pit guards and gold hardware. So gold control plate, gold knobs on the P base, gold bridges, gold uh, machine heads on a Lake Placid blue P base, uh, a ruby red jazz base, a black P base, and the Olympic white jazz base. Oh, these look really, really classy. I really like the, um, that ruby red is really cool. Um, I like the Olympic, I like them all. <laughs> the black and gold is just so good looking. I am a sucker for like 50s aesthetics. So like anodized gold scratch plates are right up my alley. And you know, black and gold with a maple neck is like a dream. Um, this one doesn't have a maple neck. It's, you know, it's probably a Indian laurel fretboard. But it's got block inlays, which is cool. The only thing I don't like about these is that they've got um, all this gold hardware which looks really snazzy. And then they've got the perloid block inlays. I kind of wish that they'd gone for like a cream inlay to kind of match the gold a bit more. Because that's the only thing that really puts me off of these. Otherwise, it's really cool. Um, £450 for those. So we'll talk about that in a bit. That's big for Squire. Um, next up is probably my favourite, uh, which is the Vintage Editions. So we've got really classic looking 50s basses. Like I said, I'm into 50s aesthetics and one of my dream Fender basses is a vintage blonde P-Bass gold pickguard maple neck and fretboard. And Squire have done it. It's basically, they've done the Ventura range, which is like the 50s inspired range in Squire. And I've always wanted them to do that because it just suits me so well. And I absolutely Love it. It looks so good. The only thing I don't really like about those Vinteras, I've not played them, but supposedly they've got like big, chunky 50s necks and it's not really for me. I'd like saying a little bit slimmer. And this one's got a, com it says a comfortable C-shaped. So I'd be confident that that would be a bit easier on the old fingies to play. They've got it in the Vintage Blonde. They've got it in Dakota Red. Uh, that's it for the P bases. Then the jazz bases, interestingly, they've got it on Seafoam Green, which I, I've now I've got the uh, the P the Sire P5 in the awesome, uh, what's it called, Mild Green. It looks like a very similar color, and yeah, nice. I'm a big fan, so that looks awesome. And then they've also got like a a wide two color sunburst satin jazz bass, all the same specs as the other jazz bass, but yeah. Really cool. It's it's like a thicker burst, you know. It says more black around the outside. That will be somebody's dream base. I don't I don't know if I've really seen one like that in the wild. So it's really interesting for them to bring something like that into the range. Um, moving on to arguably what people are most excited for, or what I'm seeing a lot of excitement for, is the new contemporary active bases. So they did the contemporary bases back along you know they're not um uh 
nothing new to the range um or or is there because the jazz bases have been around for a couple of years now and they're around the 400 pound mark so these are double humbucking active bases from squire um, in really cool finishes originally they just did it in matte black and matte white then they started bringing out some like olive ones and like a burgundy mist now oh <laughs> they've got they've nailed it they've got a gunmetal metallic and all with black headstocks as well so it's so cool this gunmetal metallic is in a five string which my god i am so so tempted by <laughs> it's so cool um, I absolutely love it. Um, they've got that, and they've also got it in. I can't believe I'm saying this too. They've got it in a shoreline gold. Oh, shoreline gold is like a dream color of mine as well. I was so excited when I saw these announced. Um, then we've got brand new a contemporary active P base. So this is a PH configuration. So. We're totally we've, have we ever seen this configuration for squire before i don't know i don't normally like five string p bases i don't know what it is i think they're i don't really like the sound of that low b but being active and with a humbucker yeah that that's cool it looks really cool they got it in this black color and then this incredible looking red as well that they had on the guitar range I'm so excited i i cannot decide what to pick up let me know reach out to me on instagram you know let me know what you want me to check out because i i cannot choose <laughs> i don't know what to do so yeah i need a bit of help um let's move on from squire because or, or before we do just talk about the price expensive it's expensive for squire and i don't blame them they're about 450 to 460 for some of these um yeah they're gonna sell they're just gonna sell so well um, so they can afford to hoik the price up a bit. I really want to check them out because I'm really interested to see if the quality controls increased. St I thought these were going to be made in China, like the paranormal, because the quality control on that was fantastic and it was really well received. So I thought they'd be leasing more out to that factory. But no, they're still Indonesian made and the classic vibe range, I'd not really had any big issues, but I've seen evidence of the issues and a lot of people online in the comment section have told me about the issues they've had. So this new price point, I really hope they've upped their game, but yeah, still super excited. Um, moving on, Gretsch. Gretsch, why do you do this to me? Gretsch, I thought we were friends. So as you know, I am a big fan of the short scale Junior Jet Electromatic 2G22. I don't know what order you say that name. So many parts to it. Um, they're like Les Paul style short scale Gretsch, the one that Mike Kerr famously used in Royal Blood. Um, I've got it and I did a review on it and I love it. It's it's a really, really great short scale and insane for the price point. Now, I really liked the finishes as they were. The original ones we had the reds like a green black and the like the brown sunburst one that i've got they've gone and done it they've they've released a shell pink one guys shell pink uh bristol fog and oh, i can't remember the name of the other one but go and check it out on their website they've got some in three new finishes that all look incredible um, the Bristol Fog one, I really, really like. And I am I live near a city called Bristol. So, you know, it, it feels like it's right up my alley. But 
I can't deny that my love for the shell pink. Oh, that's the only thing I wish Squire had done. <laughs> if they'd done a, a shell pink P base, I would have bought it there and then. <laughs> but yeah, it looks so cool. So cool. And yeah, if you're in the market for, for that base, get that. <laughs> Don't bother looking at the old ones. Get one of those new ones. They look incredible. Ah, moving on to Schecter. Um, so I might have missed this because it looks like it was a little bit of old news. These Schecter, we have got um, some new models. Uh, well, not new models. They're just new versions of models. So we've got a new Model T and a new Omen, uh, both in four and five strings. And yeah, the, the Model T, notoriously incredible. It was my third ever base, the Schecter Model T. The old, um, all the black one, the maple neck, and yeah, incredible. It's what first turned me on to Schecter, and I have no doubt that these would sound insane. I would love one. <laughs> I would really like one there, but they are like one thousand hundred and thirty pounds, so maybe not. They have got the omens though for six hundred pounds, four and a five string. Best looking omens I think I've seen. Really, a bit more stripped back looking, with like a almost like a flame maple, uh, transparent white finish on there um yeah really cool go and check those out um gosh so much things to get through i'm just scrolling through anderton's at the minute to see what new stuff is here as well um see if i missed anything oh yeah we've got new charvels the the sandimas um new colors in that in like a platinum pearl and a black so not really that exciting but i feel like they really need to they really need to do something special with that base because it's been through the ringer a bit. Like, I, I, Lobster didn't like his. It's noisy. It was just bad quality for the price. You know, they were over a thousand pounds, and and they're about they're just under a thousand pounds. These new ones, but mm, I'm I'm not that excited about these, and I can't say I'll be picking one up just based on the based. Get it? Just based on the reputation alone. But anyway, um, Jackson have also released some new bases. We've got a couple of new Spectras in different colours, um, and then also the con the series, the sorry, the X series concert base CBXNTDX. <laughs> What's wrong with these names? Basically, the Jackson Rickenbacker P base thing monstrosity. They've got it in black. They've got it in snow white now as well. And both in five strings. Now, if it didn't look ugly enough before, it, it looks even worse now. <laughs> oh, gosh. One thing I do appreciate, though, looking at it, is that they've done that thing with a five-string P-Bass where they've almost... they've Because you know when the five-string P-Bass is, because it's a split coil in there, they look a bit weird because you've got one long pickup and then a shorter pickup. I wish all five-string P-Basses would do this. They've got a like a fake added length to the to the pickup that's on the lower strings to make it look even i really appreciate that but yeah no <laughs> still not doing it for me sorry jackson no good so so let's move out of the world let's move out of this world let's move out of the world of guitars and move into pedals and amps now fender have launched some new pedals mm, not really much to talk about though i don't think there's None like bass specific looking ones. They're all just generic, which doesn't mean that they won't work on bass, but I don't know. I, I'm always a bit wary of pedals that 
aren't specifically for base, but there are companies like um, Earthquaker Devices, you know, and uh, Way Huge that don't do base specific ones, and that's fine. I'm sure these are fine too, but they just look a bit cheap. These pedals. It's like here's an overdrive, here's a reverb, here's a delay. It's like all the staples in a new series. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not that jazzed about these. Um, but what I am jazzed about is the next announcement, which has happened just this week. Um, Dark Glass. They've been teasing for a, a short amount of time now uh, something called the E500. I'm like, what is this? And there were sounds of like delay and reverb going on. And I was like, is this like a multi-effects? And I thought, are they really going to stomp on their own, tread on like their own ground of like the quad cortex? Are, are they going to do that? That seems a bit weird. Um, Kind of, but not really. The Exponent 500. Exponent? Ex exponent. Expo exponent, we're going to call it that. 500 is a 500 watt clean amp from Dark Glass. First time we've ever seen this. Normally it's like a, a real dirty amp, you know, mixed in with their different circuits of the Alpha Omega or the B7K, you know, or the microtube circuit. But this is a completely clean amp with built-in effects so we've got so much we've got delays reverbs flanges chorus uh, compressors noise suppressors distortion of course uh, you know all the effects you could want all in one 500 watt head unit so it can power a cab you've got everything all in one really really like this product it looks really cool go and check out patrick hunter's video on it Great demo, of course. I will sing Patrick's praises to the end of the earth. Um, yeah, go and check out that video to hear what it sounds like. My thoughts on this when it initially released was, oh, this is cool. Oh, no, am I going to have to sell all of my stuff to afford this? Because <laughs> it's about £1,000, um, which isn't too bad, I suppose, considering what it is. But when you look at like the Line 6 HX Stomp, where you can get everything and more all in one, but it doesn't power anything. So it's it's kind of push and pull, really. It's give and take swings and roundabouts and all that jazz. I think this is a really cool product, and I think it will sell really well. Um, and it's so tiny. It's so cute and small. Um, one thing that I don't like too much about it, so it's so backpedaling a little bit. Pedaling, get it? It's, it's all controlled via an app and via Bluetooth. So you go on your phone and you can edit your effects on there and then you can map out all of your parameters and the controls to the knobs that are on the um, on the, on the the unit. So it's all like A, B, C, D, E, I think. And then you can map what you control on there. Now, I know that I would get totally bogged down and confused with that. I'm quite a tactile person, like to do things on the fly. Um, I, I don't love the idea of having to rely on my phone or, or an app um, and like just having the unit if I'm like oh I just want to turn this up a minute I'd have to go wait what, what's this knob doing I'll have to check the app uh, okay all right it's that okay you know for me that's a, that's a really unattractive but it does sound cool and I really love Dark Glass purely for their innovation and pushing the industry forward because they are innovators like that you, you can't deny it they're, they're big players in the industry doing great things um what else is there to say about this thing oh yeah so originally i was a bit concerned that you couldn't control this via a pedal i was like what's the point in this if you've got to like tap your phone mid mid song um but you can 
hook it up to a MIDI controller. So if you've got like a blank one, you can you can assign presets up to it. I think you can do five presets. So it's it seems like it can do so much, but then also so little at the same time. Um, but yeah, I, I would I would love to try one. And Dark Glass, um, please, let's do this. <laughs> Okie dokie. Uh, that is everything for the news. That is a long news section. And thank you for sticking with me <laughs> so much. And I'm sure it's going to keep on coming and keep coming and keep coming over the, over the next couple of weeks. Oh, I've probably missed something already and something's been announced. Goodness sake. Let's move on to our next question. Okay, my good friend Tobias Faulkner has asked on Instagram, says, favorite tuning to play in and why? Plus, what gauge and brand of strings would you ideally use? So I had a bit of a weird, um, like, realization recently, of, or I think why I like a certain tuning that I like playing in. Um, so my standard favorite strings you know I'm a pretty I'm a pretty simple guy if I'm playing an E standard I like a 100 to 45 so I like it to be a little bit even though I, I like attack those strings with some aggression I kind of like the ability to bend a bit more and just the feeling of a, a set of 100s I, I'll you know I'll go back and forth between 100s and 105s but yeah well I've recently I've been really into 100s I like that feeling um that being said what I have been enjoying doing recently, I, I was in a Nirvana tribute band uh, recently, which just for one gig, which didn't end up going ahead because of the big C, um, COVID, by the way, no, nothing else, don't worry. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and we were tuning half a step down for that. So I normally play in drop D. This was half a step tuned down from drop D, which is like E, what, E flat standard, but with the D tuned down to D flat. I don't know the name of tunings. You know, I'm not a musical person. Um, but yeah, and I love that tuning. I love that tuning. I think when I've got a set of 105s, when it's tuned down half a step, I kind of get the same feeling like I'm playing a set of 100s. So my chosen um, tuning would be uh, the E, uh, drop, well, drop, what would that be? Drop, drop d flat i guess i don't know um so e flat standard then tuning the, the e string down to a, a d flat and then with a set of 105s on there just because it gives it this bit slacker feeling and i think i know why i like that tuning i think it's because you know normally when i pick up a bass and i and I, the notes that i play are normally like around the three and the five and the opens and things like that just naturally um and so when you tune half a step down it almost unlocks all these other notes in your head that you wouldn't normally play so much so everything sounds a bit different and a bit cooler and you think like oh that chord progression sounds great and you're like oh wait this is just like it's just the normal notes that I play. Like, why does it sound different? And that might just be me and it might be being an idiot. There might be more of an explanation for that. But that's the kind of impression that I always get. And I don't know, I really like that. And it kind of, I always find if I'm struggling to write something or, you know, come be creative, changing tuning is a great way of doing that because it just naturally unlocks all these different sounds in your head, which is a weird phenomenon, I'm sure. But uh, yeah. I think that's my favorite tuning um, and string gauge, really. So if I'm playing standard tuning, it'll be a set of 100s. If I'm tuning down a little bit, even just half a step, we'll go to 105s. 
really nice um and what brand of string so my string journey continues and normally i'd say diodario pro steels really bright sounding like piano like attack to those strings and they last a long time but recently when i've been getting some new basses in and i've been think i've been playing them and i've gone God, i really like the strings on these what are they oh they're ernie balls and I like stopped playing Ernie Balls years ago because they didn't last very long. And I just like, I don't know, I wasn't that blown away by them when they were new on the bass. But uh, I've been getting back into them, you know, like I, I've i had some time away and now I just realise how how good they actually are and how good they sound. So, yeah, I'm, I'm getting back into Ernie Balls. I'm trying some different strings based when Patrick Hunter was on the podcast. He recommended the Cobalts. So I've got a set of those now. So yeah, I'm excited to continue my journey. And uh, yeah, check it. let's check in next time and see where I'm at with that. Um, thank you so much for the question. Let us move on to the next section. So this is my favorite section of the podcast, I think, because it's called That Tone You Own. Every week, I ask our guests to bring along a tone of theirs that they consider to be like their signature sound or a sound that they're playing recently that they really enjoy. And that's what I'm doing this week. I'm bringing along a a bit of a sneak peek tone for you, uh, lucky podcast listeners, because... It's been, I says it's been very busy times recently because I've had the, the Sire P5 and the D5 arrive recently and I'm sure you've seen because I've been absolutely rinsing them for content online. Um, I say rinsing, I mean like getting loads of content out of them, not rinsing Sire, um, which I was doing previously. Um, anyway, so sneak peek. They, I've been putting lots of effort into these reviews and... Uh, the P5 review came out last week and next week will be the D5. And that's what I've got in my hands right now. And I'm going to give you just a sneak peek of, of what this thing sounds like. You might have heard it in my unboxing or I did a little demo, but I'm going to dive into it a little bit more about it here and talk about what I feel like a couple of weeks into owning it now. Um, so yeah, this is it going through the Line 6 HX Stomp. For this demo, I'm going to do the Aguilar Tone Hammer head with the Ampeg 810 cap so tone all the way on volume all the way up there's only one pickup um i should probably explain what this is if you don't know it's like a 50 style p base so it's your standard non-split coil pickup um but this one has a few secrets up its sleeve which you have to wait for the review to hear about but this is it tone all the way on It sounds a bit, I think it sounds more raw and untamed compared to the P5. Um, that makes sense because it's like a, a more primitive version of the P bass. And you definitely get that vibe and feel from the sound of this bass. But at the same time, it's got some really modern features as well. It's not like a slab body. It's got belly cuts, roasted maple neck, roll fingerboard edges. You know, and the the hum cancelling pickup because you know these style of pickups are notoriously noisy, and so they've really done great things here, sire, um, to retain that vintage feel and sound whilst making it modern and a, a proper gigable, tourable, recordable instrument. You know, let's let's dive into it some more. Mm-hmm. 
Sounds great. Whatever you play on it, let's play with it with a bit of bit of pick action now. I think it honestly sounds the best with a pick. Um, it just sounds, like I said, untamed. Um, well, I think one of the shining star sounds of this bass is let's roll off the tone. Let's do it. Let's go 50% first. Bit of uh, let's do finger style with it fully on. Roll it off 50%. Honestly, I think that is like a sweet spot because it's, although it's like raw and cool sounding, it's, it's very high output. And, you know, my settings on the amp are not like treble heavy at all. Um, so I think this really helps to tame it a little bit. Um, let's roll off the tone all the way. I honestly think, and like, I never thought I'd say this about a bass because I watched back my old, like, my first Squire classic vibe 60s P bass review the other day, and I was like, who wants to hear it with the tone off? No one wants that. <laughs> I was very young and naive. Um, and like this bass, like I think it sounds way better with the tone rolled off or like halfway rather than full. Um, it suits the vibe and yeah, it just inspires you differently, you know, hits differently. Stay tuned for the full review of this bad boy. We can hear even more tones and such. I think this is a really cool bass. I cannot wait to put some flats on it. I think that will like help deaden the sound even more and it will just really suit this. I think when you've got like a dead sound with a really raw sounding pickup, it helps to give it loads of character when you've got the tone off. And I think that really, really helps. And I really like that sound. So yeah, I'll be diving into it more in my review. Stay tuned, hit subscribe and notification bell, etc. So you can uh, see so you bloody get notified when it comes out. Let's move on to the next segment. Okay, it's time for the big bass debate. So for this section, I take one of your questions that have been submitted for the week and just like to make it into the topic for the week. So this week, question is from Michael on Instagram who asks is Fender finally feeling the flames at their feet I I mean that's you know an incredibly composed bit of alliteration there oh. um, continuing with the question are we about to be treated to a price and quality reevaluation? 
So I think this is a really interesting question with, <clears throat> oh gosh, with the launch of the Squire range, because we're already seeing a, a price hike, you know, it's going up. Um, and yeah, I think they are. Honestly, I think they are. And I think they do need to reevaluate a few things. I always think Fender are in a bit of a funny place in their career um, because it's they're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't in a way. Um, they could keep things the same and they would still sell really well. Or they could change it up and still sell really well. But public perception is kind of really not dwindling on Fender, but it's people are just upset whatever they do. Because if they bring out something new and modern and, and interesting and innovative, people are like, no, no, thank you. Don't like this. Doesn't work. Just do what you know. Stick to what you know, you know. And then if they bring out like uh, some 50s or 60s reissue, uh, rehash that they do like every single year, people are like, oh, yawn. This is just the same thing again. And you're like, oh, for goodness sake, let let them breathe, let them let them just try something. So that's why I was excited to um, see the Player Plus series because although it's nothing, you know, groundbreaking, it's still something different that they haven't done before. Um, and that's honestly why I think Squire is just a much more exciting brand because they can almost afford to do more interesting things. Um, but are they feeling the flames at their feet, Fender? I think they should be. I think they should be. All you need to do is look at brands like Sire. They're starting to, you know, £400 or under £400 for the for the new P5 and D5 and V5, the passive range. And originally I thought, oh, wow, they're really going after the Squire market here. They're really trying to um, pinch, pinch that audience. And that's until I got one. Uh, I've got the P5 and the D5. The P5 review is out now. The D5, you know I've got because you would have just heard it a minute ago. Um, but those bases are incredible for the price. Uh, not even just for the price. I always say that. And I think, well, no, because that's like diminishing their value a bit. They're just saying, yeah, they're all right for that money. No, they're just fantastic bases anyway. I'd expect that to be like at least... 800 pounds you know it's it's under half that price looking at the features and the feel and the quality of it it is madness and i think it's companies like that that are really going to put the pressure on brands like fender because they need to step it up like i said i thought they were going after the squire market but honestly with the quality and that insane price point they're going after the, the mexican vendor market you know i've had a lot of people asking should i go for the fender or should i go for the sire or people saying i've just bought the player series and now i've heard this and now i want this you know so i think it's very smart price point for sire and i don't know how they do it but insane absolutely insane considering like the size of company that fender is as well you think they'd be able to afford to uh drop the price point a bit but you know they are they're just coasting and they are relying on brand alone. And the name on the headstock is having more and more impact on the price of something, regardless of the quality, you know, um, and where it's made. Because I, I don't really care where a base is made, to be honest. It gets a bit of like a uh, territory when you start thinking about like how much people are paid and whether that's fair, you know. But in terms of just stripping it back and talking about the, the guitars themselves... I, I don't think country manufacture matters too much. You know, 
at different price points. If you, there's a 400, 500 pound base made in Indonesia, that is going to be a, like the equivalent of like an 800 to a thousand pound base, I think, that's just made in a different country. Um, so yeah, that that's just my opinion. Anyway, I'm sure I know people have strong opinions about that kind of thing, but I think Fender it will get to a point where these brands are massively outselling them and they can't just keep relying on their brand name. Um, but I think we're a long way off of that. So in terms of a price quality reevaluation, kind of no, I don't, I think we're a couple of years away, but at the same time, I say no, but it's kind of already happening as well because we're already seeing prices go up you know just due to the cost of manufacturing and shipping and all of that you know and, and shortages of wood and logistical issues you know that hikes the price up big time um so we're already seeing that uh you know those squires i mentioned they're creeping up into the 400 pound mark and people are not happy about it you know they're saying like this is ridiculous that's why I really hope that the quality is upped as well. And honestly, I think Fender, particularly in the like Mexican range, I think they need to improve the quality as well because I think that the Squire Classic Vibe stuff, whilst the quality control is sometimes a bit of a an issue, which is why I always recommend trying it in a shop, I do think that if you had two perfectly well-made ones, the Squire comes out on top for me when I compared them in the shop, I just preferred the feel of it. I thought it felt like better and just nicer than the neck is like one of the most important things. And it just felt so much nicer on the Squire, I thought. So I think, yeah, they're just Fender at the minute relying on their name and how long, the question is how long can they last with that alone? And I'm excited to, you know, I have nothing against Fender. I say all this stuff, but I love Fender. I'm a Fender lover. And, uh, I can't wait to see what else they do. But yeah, we, we could get a reevaluation. Um, but it's just about what other brands are out there that can put the pressure on. And, you know, even brands like Harley Benton. Now, whilst I, Harley Benton are an interesting one because I don't really feel like they're a competitor for Fender because they're kind of different markets at this point and the different price points. Um, so, yeah. I, I hope that they do feel the flames at their feet. I do, because it just drives competition and there's nothing wrong with that because for the consumer, that's great because we get all this new, cool, innovative stuff. And us bass players often miss out on that kind of things, you know? So I want to see more brands competing for that price point and really, uh, really forcing Fender to compete. So yeah, I don't know if that answered that question. <laughs> Who knows? But it's an interesting talking point anyway. And I love looking at the industry as a whole and seeing how people react to one another. Because, you know, there are definitely trends that people go after. Like at the minute, it's roasted maple. When are we going to, we're starting to get roasted maple squires. When are Fender going to do it? They do Fender necks that you can just buy roasted, but not really on many production models. So when are we going to see that, for instance, you know, and that when like this is a prime example, when Fender do that, that is going to be like a huge price increase for that base because it will be many people's like dream base. Like, oh, I love Fender, but I love these roasted maple necks. <gasps> They've launched one. Oh, great. Perfect for me, you know. It's going to be expensive, I think, when they finally do it. It's almost like they're late to the game, but because of their brand name, they can, you know, afford to 
to do it as this big launch and a big wow look at this um on that guitar so yeah don't know if any of this answers it but i love talking about this kind of stuff oh so enough of me talking i'm sure you can now go about your day and do whatever you want but if you are going to do something in your day and do whatever you want hit that like and subscribe button on the youtubes if you're listening to something to this on something like spotify leave a review and go and follow me on instagram and reach out i like i said at the start absolutely love talking to people on there so that's also where i post all of my podcast questions so feel free to keep updated with my stories interact get involved and yeah let's 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 chat i'm i'm excited to talk to you ah i think that's everything for this week once again thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.